Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We have a big State of the Union episode for you guys today. Joining me will be Mike Rothstein of ESPN, and we're just going to break down Arthur Smith's firing the press conference with Rich McKay and Arthur Blank that took place on Monday afternoon. Where the heck was Terry Fontenot? What is his role? What does the Falcons coaching search look like potentially? So, It's just a lot. It's a grab bag of topics. It's everything that the Falcons have going on. And I'm really excited to share this with you guys. I mean, Mike is as formed as as anybody in the uh, Falcons media. So it was a really good conversation. Um, A lot of speculation, a lot of, you know, some exclusive uh, information from Mike later in the episode. So again, I really uh, am excited for you all to get the chance to listen to that. We may have a bonus episode uh, coming In the next little bit, maybe early next week, um, potentially lining up a a surprise guest. I don't want to say it because a couple of times I've I've said the guest, I've teased the guest, and then ultimately things have fallen through. Um, But we are going to be on a once a week cadence moving forward throughout the offseason. You may potentially, though, get a a little bit of a bonus episode um, early next week. So just be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, throughout the offseason, because there's coaching search going on, because quarterback and, and free agency, like if there's any big news that happens, emergency pods totally in play. Um, so again, just want to give you guys a little bit of the lay of the land. But because Mike and I, as we often do, um, went for about 50 minutes uh, today, I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet. Let's get to the ad read and then let's get to my conversation with Mike. With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, BetOnline has you covered with all the -the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile devices, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline. Where the game starts. Very excited to have Mike Rothstein back again on the podcast. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Big week. Uh, how you doing, dude? Oh, man. Uh, no, I'm doing okay. You know, I mean, it's the offseason. Nothing, nothing has occurred. Nothing has happened that has derailed uh, my plan for doing nothing this off the first week of the off season. Uh, so I, I don't know what you're talking about, Will. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I, I have no idea. I've not heard from anybody in the organization that has spoke publicly. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> I love that for you. You know, as soon as the fourth quarter wraps up, game seventeen, you just turn off your phone. I, I think that's a very healthy mindset. And you're right, nothing has happened. So I yeah. want to hear about. The Netflix shows you're catching up on. I want to hear, you know, what you thought about the Golden Globes. No, of course, we I didn't were watch here to talk Globes, about. Actually, I, I was, uh, I did not watch the Golden Globes, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to catching up. I think Echo is what it's called. I'm going to maybe watch a couple okay. episodes of that today. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I would not have pegged that as the as the show that you had like written on your to do list. Well, it's a Marvel show, and I try to keep up on all of it. Um, okay. No, but I mean, in all seriousness, what happens with coaching searches, uh, and I've covered. A lot of these uh, between Detroit and when I covered Michigan and Notre Dame and 
uh, is it's a lot of hurry up and wait, mm-hmm. right? Um, because especially with the NFL now kind of pushing back some of the processes. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of speculation, a lot of hurrying up and like kind of, okay, what's going to, what's going to happen? What's this, what's that? Uh, I try to, uh, I think people who have listened to your podcast uh, when I've been on it, people who follow me on social media know that I'm not going to like trade in like the speculation world. Like if I'm reporting something it's because I feel pretty confident. I know what what's up. <laughs> yeah. So and you're usually right. So kudos um, to you on that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of waiting because right now it's just a, well, okay, have they put in any slips to interview anybody? Um, well, you know, have they interviewed anybody? Now, they say that when they are done interviewing somebody, they're going to announce it. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I do believe that they will um, from an accountability standpoint. But, you know, we shall see how all of that goes. And, and you know, and then I think once we start seeing that, we'll get to know more. But as we are seeing still, I, mean, I don't know when this is running, whether it's running tonight or tomorrow. I mean, Mike Vrabel was fired yesterday. Usually most of this stuff happens on um, Monday, you know, but Vrabel gets fired on Tuesday. Eberflus, it's announced it's staying today, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's still the big question up in New England. And that that is one that could have a lot of dominoes that end up for the for Atlanta specifically potentially uh, could have a lot of things that that end up making things fall into place or not into place, and uh, you go from there. So it still feels like it's a very early in the scenario situation. I do want to kind of backtrack one sure. second, and when when we last spoke, and we kind of talked about. Arthur Smith's chances for coming back in 2024 and down the stretch and what they needed to do. Yeah. I I think that the context, which we talked about the context context would play a factor and losing the way that you did to Carolina and then losing the way that you did to new Orleans, certainly I think compounded the uh, severe, the feeling of just kind of what is happening. Where is this franchise headed? Uh, mm-hmm. because they weren't just losses. They were pretty egregious losses in like two different ways. You know, how do you think Arthur Blank made sense of kind of the end here for Atlanta? Because we know that that played a big role in ultimately Arthur Smith losing his job. Yeah, yeah it played a role for sure. But it, to me, if I listened between the lines of the press conference, it was... The quarterback play combined with the record combined with no playoffs that feels like why Arthur Smith is not the head coach today. And we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon and right around, frankly, the time that Arthur and and Terry would have had Arthur been here, likely been talking to the media for Mm -hmm. their postseason wrap up. Instead, we hear from Arthur Blank and Rich McKay and nobody else. Um, So. I, I, you know, listen, at the end of the day, you, you heard multiple times the disappointment from Arthur Blank in how this season went. And uh, that to me is, is why we're sitting here today talking about this. Um, I think it, whether you, you know, I, I, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because it's, it's an interesting situation, right? Like you heard them talk about how they're listening to the fans, right? Like you heard yeah. them mm-hmm. say that. Well, 
I mean, I don't know if like listening to the fans about a multi-million dollar directional franchise decision is, is necessarily the like absolute smartest move. This is not a knock on the Atlanta fans by any stretch of the imagination. I understand the fans in Pittsburgh wanted Mike Tomlin fired. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it just showed that the Falcons were, were caring as much about optics as they maybe wore the direction. Because, yeah, direction of the franchise in some ways. Right? Yeah. Because um, if you look at all, I mean, I know we talked about, but if you look at all three years, like, two of the three years were pretty good considering the roster. Yeah. You know, and, and then this year... If you had told, I mean, we were on the show, I think well, last time I was on the show, but also when I was on the show in the preseason, we talked about, well, if they don't get average quarterback play, this isn't going to be necessarily a good season. And then the, the quarterback play was below average. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 of which a point Arthur Blank very clearly made. And I, that was to me a He low said extremely point. deficient. Wasn't that the Right, the, he did, yep. which, by the way, all those quarterbacks are still on the roster. I know. <laughs> so if you were Taylor Heineke yeah. and you were Desmond Ritter and you hear that, I mean, you, yeah, I, that's like I, the owner thinks that of you. That's right. That's crazy. Well, but, but again, that he, what he did was something that the head coach and the general manager had never done, which was basically run over their players under a bus, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Right. And, and telling of how much they, Focused on the, you know, but it was a both sides conversation in some ways because then he was asked about the Lamar Jackson thing and he talked about the cap and the amount of the cap. Well, yeah. okay, so you you didn't go down that road, right? And then I asked about the Deshaun conversation, and we'll leave that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what, what were like? Look at the quarterbacks that were available, right? Like, if if the quarterback play, then I think listen, the quarterback play in a lot of ways did did them in. Did Arthur For and sure. staff yep. But look at who the options were. Right? Like, the 2022 draft was not good, and drafting Kenny Pickett, as we've seen, would have been a bad decision, and none of the other quarterbacks yeah. that were in the conversation for that, other right. than Brock Malik Purdy, Willis. Right. Mm-hmm. Had not yep. worked out. Desmond didn't work out. Sam Howell. I, I, I good don't think fantasy stretch. Was like right. an elite exactly. fantasy quarterback for five weeks. <laughs> right, but fantasy isn't reality. Um, exactly. I mean, Brock Purdy was Brock Purdy might end very well. Will end up. Right? I mean, is right now and probably. Yeah, I think he already the best is quarterback the, in the class. Yep. Right, and and that no one was necessarily expecting that. Otherwise, he would have been taken much higher. So, and, what, what and that's why situation yeah. matters so much. And it's yeah, like it's why I'm frankly a little bit surprised. Because of, and you're right, the first two years, and I've been saying this a lot recently, are are different than this version of 7 and 10. The first two 7 and 10s were better, and that was an achievement. And so for everybody to say that's three straight seasons of 7 and 10, they're, sure, I get on the surface, they look the exact same, but the context is totally different, which is why I'm surprised that that did not buy him the response this kind of week of, all right, you got quarterback wrong. We're going to give you another year, given what you have done in some of these other spots, making the defense a top 10 unit. I mean, like they got 42 sacks this year. That's a crazy amount of sacks. For right, with a defensive they, line that was old. Exactly. Like they, they're, they're Jerry. Yeah, no, things yeah. that are working here. So that's, I'm just a little bit, it reminded me, uh, your point about kind of the fans and, and Arthur listening to 
you know, really just the the fervor with which the kind of fan base really turned on Arthur Smith and wanted him out of here. It reminds me a lot of after the 2015 season when the Falcons had started hot under Dan Quinn and then they totally faded down the stretch. The offense was not performing at all. And that was Kyle Shanahan's first season. And after the, the season, Matt Ryan expressed a lot of confidence in what the offense could be because it's just a comp. It was a different thing than yeah. what Matt was used to do. And it took him a year to, to get under it. But everybody that offseason wanted Thomas or wanted Dan Quinn gone, wanted Kyle Shanahan gone. And I think to some extent wanted Thomas Dimitrov gone. Like they were ready to clean house after year one of the Dan Quinn experiment because that's how kind of out of sync the offense looked. Arthur Blank chose to be patient and give him another year, and we all saw what happened. So yep. I just kept thinking a lot about that point in time this week because, and I'm not saying it would have been like that, but it's a great example of you just never know and how quickly things can change given, you know, or maybe with a couple of variables that we're not aware of that are, are totally like out of the public eye because this is the game of football and there's so many factors that go into yep. ultimately the results on Sunday. Yeah, there there are. I mean, there there's a lot to unpack from that presser, and there's a lot to unpack from from really everything that's gone on. And so, what was your biggest takeaway from the presser? Like, what stuck stuck with you? I'm still trying to figure out where Terry Fontenot was. Yep, Same. that that is full stop. The biggest one because it sh- he's not it shows he's not leading the search right mm-hmm. like and. They would have you believe he is so committed to leaving the search or leading the search that he could not be bothered to to take that time right, away to is, attend the presser, which is which is not. Hilarious. I mean, uh, come on, like, you can sell that. That that's great. You can try and sell that, but that's right. that. They, I mean, but they also did. I mean, they they said everything they needed to say with with the presser with their press release when they said input from you know that Rich and and mm-hmm. Arthur Blank would be leading the search with input from Terry Fontenot and others. Right, like if they really wanted to make it clear that Terry Fontenot was part of the search, a he would have been there, like a, a central part of the search. He would have been there, and b you would have said Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, and Terry Fontenot are leading the search. They could have said that. Yep. And then you say okay, and then and then honestly, had they said that, and then Terry is not there, there still would have been questions of where Terry was. But if they're like, hey, listen, you know, we're going to put all these slips in. We want to talk to these people. Um, you know, Terry's it's important to get that. this right. Yeah, he yeah. is focused. There are ways that you could have done that potentially to again, um, you know, make it sound whatever you wanted it to sound like instead of what it clearly is, which is like, what is? I mean, what, what's what's really going on here? You know, and that to me tells like. I, there was a lot of um, – I, I put it like this. And I think I put, this, I put it like this on social media as well. I left that press conference with way more questions than answers. And generally when you – I've been in these before, I have a lot more – I have questions, sure, because you don't know what, where they're necessarily going. But I generally will have answers of, okay, this is what, it, what their plan is. This is how – it's going to go. Like I remember the last time I, d- I did this when the Lions fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. And again, different organizations, but all, interestingly, somewhat similar-ish kind of structure because they have uh, Chris Spielman, who is kind of like their CEO type. Mm-hmm. 
But the difference is that Chris Spielman does not have day to day like control, like, you know, and also it was a new role. They had just hired Chris, but everything that looks like in Detroit right now with Dan and Brad, it doesn't seem like Spielman, like Spielman legitimately talks about being like a servant leader over and over. And like that from everything I've heard and seen is what it is. And I, I know I hate people don't like necessarily make comparisons to the lions, but like understand like th- this is, they, they are apples to apples. Rich McKay even said, Hey, well, you know, there's not a lot of teams that have a structure like this. Well, the lions do, and this is how they operate. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember they they said they did their research because I, I want to say it was before the 2020 season when Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov were kind of it was public knowledge that they were entering the yep. year on kind of the hot seat. And I remember at the the end of the previous offseason, like they had a little bit of a, a state of the union like this. And Rich McKay at that time, they were like, yeah, we're going to change things up. And Thomas and and Dan are going to now report to rich is kind of this president structure. And they said they, they did a lot of research throughout that season of just like the different kind of hierarchies in the NFL. Of the right. well, yeah, I mean, and- the Lions had not done that yet, but mm-hmm. the, the thing, the thing is, you know, I mean, they went out of their way to try to say like rich wasn't in like involved in day to day. And, and what, but then he, then he was like, then, you know, are the blanks? Well, you're being modest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like he did, and then he's like, "Yeah, I do." Well, I mean, I, when you see that, like, what, what, yeah, it's like, yeah. are you are you that servant leader, like you were saying about the lion? Because that's right. kind of what Rich was trying to say. He's like, "Hey, I'm here to support the guys. They come to me. They say, hey, what do you? We need this. We need X, Y, and Z, and I'm here to get it to them.' But then, yeah, when you hear the the talk about like the Deshaun Watson negotiation, and it's a very collaborative effort. It's interesting when they decided to say them, the football side, the coach, the GM, what they do. And then when they chose to say kind of we, and what was a group decision. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was a very, like I said, it was a very confusing, almost two hours on for many of the people who were in that room too, as part of a very, very, very long day. You know, so I may have asked the questions that I asked. I asked the Watson question. I asked the, hey, where's Terry Fontenot question? Yeah. <laughs> but by the end of it, I'll, and I'll be the first one to admit it, by the end of that, I was exhausted because I've been up since 3 a.m. In, in New Orleans time, so 4 a.m. Eastern, you know, and going straight, including a flight back. So, and that's the same for d That's the same for Josh Kendall. That's the same yep. for a lot of the TVs, Zach Klein, because a lot of the TVs traveled in a rare trip travel to new Orleans because potentially playoffs were on the line. And obviously, you know, what a coaching change. With yeah. Arthur. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I still have been unpacked. I've still been trying to unpack some of it to understand it and, and try to see exactly what they were saying and where they were trying to go. I thought it was very interesting that they mentioned prior head coaching experience. Yeah. Uh, as something, um, Thought and they, I thought it was weird that they kept taking like shots at Bobby Petrino. It's like that's not weird, dude. Nobody will ever turn up a, a no, 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 no. no. But I, I just mean, I just mean when you're trying to sell that you've made good hires and you know it just maybe hasn't worked out, and then you keep bringing up Bobby Petrino like on your own. Yeah, he's a little like I get you're trying to maybe bring levity, but like that was weird to me too. Of like, hey, yeah, let's remember the biggest failing. Or I mean, he did. They he said that. They went out of their way to praise Arthur Smith. There was like a point in that presser where I was like, are they like campaigning for him to co- like, you know, when they were talking <laughs> about how he never lost the locker room and, and this and that. Yeah, like, yeah. Are you, are you, 
campaigning for him to retire. I don't really understand what's going on. It was a very confusing press conference. Well, it was, yeah, it was because you're right. He, they did do, uh, like, at one point, Rich McKay said, look, this isn't, usually when you're at this type of press conference, you hear the word direction thrown around a lot, yeah. right? And he said, a change of direction is needed, or we're going in a new direction. He was like, we don't really feel that way. We kind of feel like we are on the right course, that this roster is improving, and and that we're in a better spot than we were kind of three years ago. I'm paraphrasing obviously there but sure that was kind of the intent of it and and then earlier uh, arthur blank kind of said that he felt at peace making the decision because he was doing it on behalf of the fans and ultimately on behalf of the players and that phrasing and just saying like he said i feel pain by the decision personally but i actually feel at peace truly at peace about making the decision i was when i read that i was like wow, okay, that sounds like this was way worse than it was, but that's not the sense any of us got. And that's also kind of not the sense that they were expressing because they kept mentioning how the players felt and the direction of the franchise. So again, it's just a weird, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth there. Well, I mean, it goes to that, that point about the players, right? And listen, I've covered enough of these, like players are going to generally back the coach until they're not the coach anymore. True, yep. Unless it's a really bad dynamic, and I've, I've covered at least and one. And by of that those. point, like it's usually kind of right. But players to also will say things without saying things, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm around the team every day. I never got the sense, and, and listen, they went either way to say Arthur Smith never lost the locker room, but they were like, "Well, we have to act in the best interest of the players in order to win." Well, I spent yeah. weeks asking players publicly and privately about things as I'm, you know, want, as I need to do. I never got the sense that any of them stopped buying into to that, right? Like even, so, okay, so Cordero Patterson, right? That, uh, and I never actually got around to publishing this, but like Cordero Patterson, you know, went on and, and talked about his usage. I actually talked to CP uh, a couple of days before the last game. And uh, I talked to him on the record so I can say this stuff. Like, I asked him, like, are you mad? Like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm not happy with my usage because I want the ball. And, like, my coaches know that they, they're happy that I want the ball. You know, I, I want to show I, I still got it. But he also said, listen, I made mistakes this year as well. You know, I, I've been talking mostly in the kick return game because that's where he had more opportunities that were yeah. not taken. But, you know, I, he, he never once – he even said to me uh, – I'm going to see if I can pull it up, actually – um, because, and this is like good for you guys, um, because this is exclusive to, to you, um, now, uh, not purposely, but like, I mean, this is what CP told me. Like, honestly, bro, I'm not, I'm not mad at nobody. Like I said, if I was mad at someone, it'd have been more tweets than that. Yeah. It would have been the, it would, it wouldn't have been those little, those little, those little, those two little BS tweets. It had been, I would have been adding people if I were really mad at somebody. You know, and he basically said again that people were taking things the wrong way. Like, and then I was like, well, you know, like you realize how this comes off or whatever. And he, he was like, he should want guys that want the ball, you know, which what Arthur Smith said. Arthur yeah. Smith said, yeah, I want guys who want the ball. He said that about Desmond Ritter. He said that about Cordero when I asked him about this, you know, and then Patterson on quote, that's a good problem to have. So, yeah, like should, he didn't, he also told me, now I don't know if I buy this, that like he didn't expect this to go viral. But like, yeah. you know, even, I mean, he even said like, there's maybe more stuff I can do. Like, 
he he and was he very did get the ball and he, and twice at the goal way, line against New Orleans. Like they they gave him he, they gave yeah. him the ball, and he's been in the fourth quarter. Like I mean, yeah, he, I get he's I, not well, had the number of touches, but yeah, yeah, you know, and also I mean, he even told me again. He reiterated again. He wanted to be, and this is again when Arthur was still employed and this staff was still employed. He was like, I want to be here the rest of my career still. Like he was mm-hmm. still saying that even in a year where he, his usage was was clearly down. He this locker like anyone who thinks this locker like that they were term- it it wasn't the case. I mean, you know, it's like the last day of of the regular season. Like Arthur Smith was actually in the locker room that Friday, and he like so. I don't know if this was here when you were there, Will, but they have like a basket in there, like it's like an eight foot basket. Like and yeah. they shoot, they shoot a lot. Like they play, you know, pig yeah. or, or horse or whatever. It's like like Arthur shot. Smith. Yep. Arthur Smith was in there, like shooting, and like the players are having fun with him. Like that would not happen if like he had lost this team. And my point with a lot of this is, um, like players are saying, we would like, we believe in his message. We're still buying in. Like, and, and that that to me went con- you know contradictory to what they had said because if they were listening to the players, then. Uh, yeah, that, that's just my read on it. But it's an yeah. again, this is very, this is a really, it's an interesting deal. So let's talk in, about another part of potentially the motive. Is there somebody out there on the coaching landscape that, you know, they said, hey, Jim Harbaugh wants to come back. Hey, Bill Belichick may not be in New England. Like, we would rather take a shot at somebody like that than stick here with with Arthur Smith. I mean, do you think that that's potentially part of the equation here? Could be. It could be. I mean, listen, they they were very adamant in that press conference talking about prior head coaching experience. Will, you've been around longer than I have. They have not hired a coach with a head coaching experience since Patrino. Dan Reeves. Patrino, well, well, Patrino right. NFL, college, head NFL head yeah, head. NFL, Dan Reeves, right? And and but that was Arthur Arthur Blank's never hired someone with right. prior. Yeah, exactly. NFL that was still the Smith. He inherited. Dan Reeves. So that to me set, spoke volumes that they were that openly adamant, not adamant, but like if it's the right guy. So that to me says, yeah, like you look at, and you look at the most attractive, attractive like names or most popular names in this cycle. Well, two of the three are ones with extensive head coaching experience on mm-hmm. the NFL level. One is still employed. Well, both are still employed. One <laughs> on the college level, one on the NFL level. You know, of course, in Harbaugh and, and in Belichick. And then to me, the third one is is a Ben Johnson. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you hire Ben – listen, I think Ben Johnson's a great coordinator, but uh, it seems like if you hire Ben Johnson, you're hiring – you're basically hiring the same type of – of It's the same approach. Profile as Arthur. Yep. Yeah, I mean, different people, obviously. For sure. Uh, different backgrounds, different different experiences growing up. You know, uh, and Ben and Arthur know each other. If you remember back to week three, like, when Arthur was being asked about Ben Johnson because of their North Carolina connections and all that, like, he, he was being all sarcastic about him. You know, that's generally a, a sign that he, you know, he has affinity. The, a friendly game. way, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I... So what are you going to do there, right? Like, I mean, I, there are guys that if I'm the Falcons, I would probably want to talk to, but I don't know if they're going to be on that the, their lists or not. 
Um, I covered Brian Callahan in Detroit, the Cincinnati offensive coordinator. Obviously, he's the son of a coach. So, you know, Bill Callahan. Uh, so he's he would be really interesting to me. I think Ajero Avero would be really interesting, the Carolina yep. defensive coordinator. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike McDonald could be interesting, the Baltimore defensive coordinator. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about Todd Monken, you know, at least fans. Yep. Uh, but again, a lot of these guys don't have that head coaching experience, right? Like, yep. and that's that's part of uh, of you know. So it goes to that, like, what type of head coaching experience? I, I I don't know the you know. It's it's. I'm really curious to see how all of this shakes out because, you know, there is the one large rumor out there, right? Like that we all know. You know, by the way, Todd Monken does have some head coaching experience. He was the head coach at Southern Miss from 2013 to 2015. He's he's kind of the interesting name that I've I've heard. I, right. Out. Yeah. I mean, but uh, I mean, he had he he was we had thirteen and twenty five in three seasons, but it's hard at Southern Miss. Yeah. Um, and he, and he obviously, like with with all of this, we we just do recency bias, right? So the fact yeah. that Tom Munkin won two national championships at Georgia and now is in the playoffs, and the Ravens look like like that's why we all like him. We don't right. actually know if he's going to well, be good at well, this yeah, job. I mean, it's, it's, one yeah. of the big, I've covered enough of these. That one of the biggest misnomers is that you have had to have called plays in order mm-hmm. to, to be a successful head coach. No, like the reality yeah. is the successful head coaches are the ones that can manage people and can inspire and can get guys to like run through walls and play hard for them. Mike those, Tomlin, are your, yeah. those are your good head coaches. You know, and sometimes that takes a while, Right. Like, I mean, part of why D'Amico is doing so well in Houston is that guys want to run through walls for that guy yeah. because he's a motivator, or, uh, he's a leader, he's a good CEO. Jim Caldwell, who I covered in Detroit, now, you know, it didn't work well for him. And, but he was, he remember, he was fired after back to back nine and seven seasons in a franchise that had, yeah. had not had that in a long time. But that guy was the ultimate, like, CEO head coach, like, figured everything out, understood it all, like, great with players like i mean players to to a player like there were a couple guys who were like cordero patterson asking terms of like their playing time was getting diminished and he was like my door is open i remember one of them who typically wouldn't pop off did pop off and caldwell handled it perfectly and that player still loves jim caldwell to this day Mm -hmm. i still talk to him i'm not gonna say who it was like (laughs) there there is just so much respect toward jim caldwell by all the people who were who were there at that time, you know, now I fully admit I was one of those people who wrote, Hey, maybe it's time for them to move on because it felt like maybe Caldwell was hitting a ceiling. I admit I was wrong there, but maybe, maybe not wrong that he was hitting the ceiling, but wrong that they should have moved on because of who they hired. And it became, you know, the Matt Patricia experience. And, and that really ended up getting, you know, but Bob Quinn wanted to hire his own guy, you know, but mm-hmm. Bob Quinn was allowed to make that hire. Which is then goes to back to what we had talked about before of like, well, it doesn't seem like Terry Fano is going to have super, yeah. super control in, in this. Well, and let's let's say that they do decide to bring in a Bill Belichick, right? Let's say they get kind of the the number one candidate kind of out there on the market right now, and that would be if if he does become available, because again, he's still under contract. I think Jim Harbaugh would be a better candidate than Bill Belichick. Just just saying. I personally, I I agree with that. Um, but sure, let's say either of those guys either wants to come in, and we did hear Arthur Blank say that he, you know, somewhat does believe and subscribe to the Parcells theory of if you're going to ask the coach to ultimately be the head cook and and prepare all the dishes and serve it up, 
They need to be at the grocery store picking out the ingredients as well. So if you bring in one of these top name CEOs who have had a long track record and they can point to it and say, I don't, I don't need Terry Fontenot in here. You know, I want the, all this power. Like based on what we've seen right now, I don't think the Falcons have shown him the vote of support to say, you know, they're not opposed to a move like that. Right. I mean, we'll like see. I, I mean, we'll see. They said that their intent was to keep the the fifty fifty structure with reporting to McKay. That, that mm-hmm. was what the intent is. But you know, they even said they'll be malleable with it based off of who the hire is. Yeah. So they they gave themselves all sorts out on that. It's and it, that's probably right because no, I mean, that's what this is all do. very fluid. This yeah. is all very fluid. They should that was that was that was that was something they did that they said that that was smart. <laughs> in, yeah. No, it was because you don't want to box yourself into a corner in that, right? Right, but you don't I'm, want to limit your candidate pool immediately, yeah. right? I, I, I'm very interested to see how this all plays out, obviously, because it affects my direct future. So if, if they can get it done in like a week, that'd be great. <laughs> personal selfishness, um, yeah. but yeah, it's I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, I mean, they've been very quiet um, behind the scenes. Uh, we've not heard of any, you know, so not, none of their requests have they have if they've made any requests have leaked out yet. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how this goes. Now, one thing I can tell you um, is, you know, I know there's conversations about like, well, would they trade for Bill Belichick? Well, they still would have to go through the. My understanding, based off of the conversations I've had with people uh, at the NFL, is that they still would have to go through the Rooney Rule process at least even if they were going to make a trade there. So they're going okay. to have to do some interviews uh, yeah. if they end up going. But here's the thing. If you are the Falcons and you are Bill Belichick, why would you want to do that? Because you're giving up some sort of asset. And right. you would think if Bill, if Bill is coming here, he's not coming here to like rebuild the thing. And because like he's what, 15, 16, something like that, wins away from the all-time mark like that, that feels like part of why this is all happening. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's... I'm fascinated by it, Will. I, I wish I had more answers for you, um, but I don't. Um, well, I mean, nobody does at no. this point. It's it's all just, yeah, the future. Nobody knows what it holds. And, and really, we can't even get into, you know, like I was talking to some people yesterday and just kind of was talking about quarterbacks and every it's like clearly that is the most pressing. If we want to put the coach thing aside, but even looping in the coaching search and stuff like quarterback remains the maybe main target for this offseason if you've got to oh, get that right without, that is your number one that is almost, yeah. that is as i like it's almost I'm above the head coach, coach. yeah <laughs> yeah it, well um, i mean that's the thing right like if i'm arthur blank and rich mckay which is stupid because that just shows the importance of that like the fact that we're putting that above the head coach i think in my mind like again proves that the quarterback play maybe had was a bigger factor this year than the head coach no it's not <laughs> maybe it, it but, absolutely was yeah it was it, it, was, it was a bigger factor because, you know, people will criticize Arthur Smith's scheme, but mm-hmm. if the quarterback can't fully execute the scheme, yeah, like, what, what's, what's the head coach supposed to do? Yeah, you over, can't fire a bullet with and a bow and anyway, That's not going to win. That, you have no mm-hmm. chance of success there. Like, I mean, yeah, like, sure. Are there some things Arthur Smith could have done differently? Yeah, there are. Could have been a little maybe more diverse in how, how in the run game and, and how they ran yeah. it. Although I, I don't think that they were poor. They certainly weren't 
to use Arthur Blank's word, they were not deficient in that area. They were still you know, people <laughs> who were criti- people who were criticizing Bajon Robinson. Like, dude, still had over fourteen hundred yards from scrimmage this year. Yeah, he touched by, the ball more than anybody else. Yeah, he, he <laughs> had team, like, a, by any stretch of the imagination, he had a very successful rookie year. I think he finished what twelfth yeah. overall, twelfth in all purpose yards. Like, yep. that's, that's not bad. bad. Just like yeah. just because he didn't hit a thousand yards rushing, well. I mean, they do have Tyler Algier, who had what six hundred something like that. Like yeah. that, and that's people okay. wanted him to get the ball more. Like right. it's it, it was such a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of. It, it was, and then because then if you run the ball too much, then Drake's not, and people are complaining about Drake's targets, and like you know, people are talking about yep. Kyle Pitts. People forget Kyle Pitts was like not healthy for most of the year. I mean, hell, Pitts posted something today. I don't know if you saw this. Um, where he basically he like first and foremost, they got through seven. 17 games off of my injury. Like, that's the first thing he said. I'll yeah, he played a full season. Yeah. yeah like that. Because this, I think, is, you know, because there were always questions about his health, right? Like, I mean, I asked that question over and over and over, right? Yep. I, I know I did and others did, well, and the, that was such a big and thing. And Josh did. The middle stretch of the season, it was just kind of, hey, is, is, is Kyle fully healthy? Right. You oh, know, I like, asked that what? question yeah. over and over. Here's what Kyle posted today. All 17 games post MCL PCL surgery, which, by the way, I don't, I don't even remember if the PCL was part of that. Like, I know, right? Yeah, like, it, like, was so, like, it was two of them. Okay, right. So, all 17 games post MCL PCL surgery, we taking that as the first win, and then have my beautiful son. Like, and then he talks about like, you know, love y'all because we went through our fair share of stresses, but sit tall for each other. Year four is going to be prolific, but that's the first thing he said. I love that. And it is, but that tells you that he wasn't fully right. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's like one of those days when, all right, I don't want to go to the gym because I'm incredibly sore from the workout the day before. Yeah. And so I tell myself, Hey, just get in the gym, just kind of take, it yeah, doesn't need to be a 100% go. Cause your body's not responding right now. So like, just get in and get, we get done what you can do. Yeah. And it kind of seems like that was the mindset. And I think I love that. Like, I think that that is great perspective yeah, if if you're a fantasy owner and you're pissed, sure, like that happens. Don't draft Kyle Pitts in the future. I don't think he's going to care one way or the other. What does matter to him, he seems to be at peace with. Yeah, it, it does. You know, um, yeah, it does. I mean, it does. And, the, you know, the question is, will he get back to that? We don't know. But again, yeah. who's throwing on the ball? Because if he doesn't have... You know, if he's not healthy and guys maybe don't have as much confidence throwing him the ball because he can't get the separation he did as a rookie or whatever, like, I mean, that's part of it too, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And some of the blame, you know, people want to blame Arthur Smith for that. Some of that blame goes on Kyle Pitts too. Because there were times you're like, oh, what's that route really look like? You know? Yeah, or, Uh, I mean, there were two distinct times when he kind of alligator-armed. To, uh, right. a I, couple mean, of passes. I mean, and yeah. like guys are going to do that throughout the course of the season. So I don't want to like fully yeah. say like Kyle Pitts is the re- no, <laughs> like co- the quarterback play was was rough this year, right? But if you don't have a quarterback, like that limits what you can do offensively. And I'm not trying to make excuses for Arthur Smith here, but I mean, when I when I was on your show and we were talking about whether or not he'd be back or not, I mean, that was my main thing. Is like. You have to look at the totality of things, and you have to also look at yeah, like they may have said we're going with Ritter and, and, and Heineke, but I mean the other thing, and I, I, I'd have to go back and check, but I don't remember them ever saying like Desmond Ritter is our guy forever. No, no, it was Desmond's our starter this year. We're going to see what this looks like. 
And yep. that's what it was. And to me, I go back and I look in, at August. When Arthur Blank said, this is year three of a three-year plan that was laid out. That to me, like when I look back at all of this, that to me is where all this starts, I think. Because Arthur Blank felt like they should be much better this year in this three-year plan. Well, yeah. things change in that three-year plan. Because let's, let's for argument's sake, for argument's sake, say they had kept Matt Ryan in year two and then moved on from Matt before this year, right? Like let's just say, well, year yeah. three of a year three-year three plan might have looked a lot different because you would have had a first-time starting quarterback, which essentially you did anyway, potentially. Yeah. And you would and have had you still took Desmond Ritter. He's under Matt Ryan for a year, which is different right. than being with Des- with Mark Smariota. Right. right, and there would have been no pressure for him to play unless Matt Ryan had gotten hurt. Because that, I mean, things yep. would have had to go horrifically for that to happen, and then you would have more reason to move on from Matt Ryan. So, like, there, there's all of all of these things, right? Like. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, man. It, a lot of sliding a, doors. Yeah. There's, a, Yeah, there's a lot of like butterfly effect stuff. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I we'll find out, <laughs> man. Like that's, yeah. that's what, that's what the, the grand message of this is, right? We'll find out. Well, a- absolutely. And I mean, I think, so one thing, and based on, um, kind of Rich's quotes about they do like the direction of where this team is. And and one of the reasons I think you and I both fell into the camp of maybe it's easier just to kind of try to work it out at the quarterback position yeah. instead of now opening yourself up to, all right, we're bringing in a new head coach, potentially a new staff. Uh, again, these are not drafted. It's going to be a new staff. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean... It's going to be a new staff. To like you think a full new staff? Uh, that I don't know because we don't know who the head coach is going to be. Right. Um, but, but there's definitely going to be like no no new head coach comes in is like I'm keeping everybody here, right? Exactly, yeah, I mean maybe always... maybe a position go- coach or two get kept. I, mm-hmm. I guess there's an outside shot that maybe they would keep a coordinator um you know, whether that's Marquise or whether that's Ryan Nielsen, I, I, I mean, maybe we're going, oh, who knows? Like, you know, I, yeah. could they, could they keep a coordinate, one of the coordinators? Sure. I guess. I mean, I, I think, you know, specifically Ryan Nielsen did a great job this year. I think Marquise did a really good job this year as well. Um, especially interesting. Why? So why, yeah. Why do you feel that way? Um, because I think special teams took a step back from last. Sure, year. but look at the look at okay, look at what happened, right? Um, kick return rules changed, and then CP basically became a non non entity. And he again, when I talked to him, he even admitted to me um, that uh, you know there were times that he could have made different decisions, right? So it's yeah. possible, like there were ones that he could have taken out that chose not. To. Um, Mike Ford was a very valuable player for them last year that they did not resign. I mean, it was a great special teams player. He's one of the better special teams players in the league. Matt mm-hmm. Collins, who they, uh, yeah, they signed him to be the wide receiver too, but he's a phenomenal gunner. He right? is. Like, Dude, he is. He was out for weeks at a time. And that's when a lot of their issues were happening was when he was unable to really play. 
the last like three weeks, every punt they had, he was like the first guy. Right, down but, there but, but, look at, but look at the numbers then. Like they were pretty darn good again, you know, in punt yeah. coverage at that point. Yeah. You know, uh, and Young Way, like he can't control Young Way missing kicks. Yeah, I don't know. Like Young Way's percentages. Yeah. Right. But, but, but so that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't think special teams was bad this year. I mean, sure, they take a step back maybe from a year I earlier. I think you just bit. went yeah, through but, that. You went through that stretch where, like, the decision making, particularly on the kick and punt returns, was was off. Like, there were sure, like a two or three game stretch the, where. But how much of that is on the coach versus D. Alford and Mike Hughes making bad decisions or CP no, making it, lazy decisions? In, in the moment, a bad decision, but it could also be a philosophy and a mindset. Like, if they sure. if they've got the green light to to do what they, that's where I'm saying, as a coach, do you take away that ability to even make that decision, and you just say, hey, anything inside of the ten, we're letting it go. Like you could do right. that, or you trust your guy to say, hey, I'm going to leave it up to you. Here's what. But I, I guess I saw in moments where it was like that trust maybe should have been reined in a little bit and maybe they That's did fair. maybe they did yeah, i don't yeah. know right but i also look at it too of like you know a lot uh, one of the most underrated things that happened this year was avery williams tearing his acl in the spring yeah because that's, that's a great because point. avery was the nfl's like leading punt or one of two leading punt yeah. returners last year yeah i think he beyond, led an average yeah yeah but beyond that he also like is such an intelligent returner and that's not a knock on D or Mike, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just has such a grasp for that. Yeah. And and understanding decision making. I think what in two years he maybe made one poor decision. Yeah. If I if that's you a great know, point. And, and that might and that might just be my mind like not remembering exactly. It might have actually been an okay decision. Um, <laughs> he's like but, a catcher who, yeah, just sees the whole fit and is like calling everything. From yeah, like so he get he gets all. They remember. I mean, he's the guy too. That frankly, I mean, I do wonder if at some point, had he been healthy, I do wonder if at some point they might have replaced him with replaced CP with him as a kick returner too. Um, if they felt like they weren't getting, you know, so I, I don't know some of that, but like so that's why I say I don't think special teams was. Was it was was it as good as it was in twenty two? No, but did they did he do a bad job? No, I don't think he yeah. did, especially considering the constant moving parts on that. I remember too, I mean, like they had to change kind of returners a bunch because D. Alford was playing a lot more nickel, Injured. so then they go to yeah. Mike Hughes, and then Mike Hughes it turns out they switch that, so then D's the the guy back there, and they tried using Scotty Miller and all that because of Avery, yeah. and you know, and then the kick were. were Return rules change. So all of these things. That's why I yeah. say that. I, I don't think, you know, I, I just think that there's, and listen, I'm not somebody who's like a special teams expert by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, these are things that happen that can like, play a role. I mean, they rotated through a ton of gunners too. And, yeah, and that matters sure. in terms of punk coverage. And, you know, and Bradley Pinion had a, had a decent year. You know, he had one one really really bad punt that happened to be last week, but what yep. that, but other than that, I thought he had a really decent year. And Koo, you know, Koo was fine. And on the whole, Koo was fine. He missed some critical kicks, but you know, or what yeah. kicks that turned out to be critical, most notably probably in the Chicago game. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's still one of the more accurate kickers in the NFL. But you can't help if a guy misses kick. Like, what's a what's For a coach sure. supposed to do with that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's. It's exactly it's the same thing that I was saying about Arthur Smith with Desmond Ritter. It's like, all right, you can't actually like 
do it for them. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I get you right there. The last thing that I wanted to to kind of touch on with you before uh, we wrap this up was just, you know, the coaching staff, we do expect changes. We expect kind of, uh, again, is it going to be like a new vision? Are they going in a new direction? And that's where I keep coming back to Rich McKay's quote about they like where they're at. They, they kind of like the shape that the roster is in. And you've got very unique players like a Kyle Pitts, you know, like a Drake London, um, even though there are more versions of him around the sure. league than than probably a Kyle Pitts. But even the situation that you have at running back is is nice. Like there's a lot to like here. So do you think, and again, maybe maybe these are all bad questions because it is all just speculative. They can go in so many different directions. Do you think it behooves them more to find a coach that really meshes with the way the team looks right now or to go get somebody who the selling point is my vision for the future. Let me have at it. And nobody here is, is sacred or a cornerstone. And, and we're going to kind of just remake this thing. Like which, which path do you think makes the most sense for them to take? I mean, I think it's the combination platter of the path, right? Because you're not going to hire a coach without a a clear vision for what the long-term future is and what you're trying Mm -hmm. to do. But at the same time, they're not making this move to rebuild, right? Like, I mean, because Three years ago, they said, oh, we're not rebuilding. And then what did, uh, what did Ch- <laughs> Mitch McKay say? Oh, you know, the first two years, was a lot of rebuilding. Like, Cap rehab. Yep. Like I, like, I mean, if I'm someone on the coaching staff who, like, either did not lose – who is now, you know, under contract and we'll see what happens with them or lost their job, and I hear that, I'm just literally like <laughs> – So you really yeah. judged you, – you, if you take that at their word, in a lot of ways they judged – Arthur Smith and this staff specifically off of one season. Which is what it feels like. Right. Which very much what it feels like. And that, that is unfortunate on a lot of levels because, you know, like that's that. that and did they uh, know that in April, in February of staff, this year, I have no of last idea. year? Because, yeah, I have no idea. Because maybe right. they, because they may have decisions. gone about things differently. Yeah, they may have made different decisions if they had known like this was a make or break year. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But you have to think, well, maybe they would have looked at a different quarterback situation. Maybe they would have um, gone a different direction uh, with some of their free agent acquisitions. You know, mm-hmm. if they thought that, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, but it definitely that was one thing that definitely stood out to me when they were like talking about, oh, we knew it was, the, you know, they got us out of that. Like they were praising what Arthur and Terry did in the like build. Like were. it just again, it makes no. And then neither one of them were there. It makes no sense. Um, it's like he was the interim head coach for three years. Yeah, in some ways, that's a very that's yes that that is I had not put it like that, but that's an interesting way to put it. Um, so yes, I think you need to have a vision, but also I don't get the sense that they're interested in any sort of like teardown. So yeah. you're probably bringing in a coach who understands how to use the the types of players that they have, which when you look at the way that this roster, especially this offense is constructed, Ben Johnson makes a heck of a lot of sense because in mm-hmm. Detroit, you look at, and I wrote this, uh, on Monday morning, you have a running, a dual running back system with Kind of an all do it all guy in Jameer Gibbs and a, a power yeah. guy in David Montgomery, right? That's, yeah. and, and you have that with Algier and it's um, weirdly identical, yeah. right? Um, in the offense, in the, the receiver game, you have a clear one in Amaral St. Brown, which would be Drake London, different types of players, but both different players, very, yeah. very aggressive pass catchers. And then their two, three, four wide receivers are like average to like plus average 
or, yeah. or, you know, or like they're guys, right? Like they're, right. you can, you can shake Josh Reynolds. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Jo- Josh Reynolds, DJ. Well, DJ was not there this year, but like, you know, they tried Mark Jones Williams. for a little bit. Yep. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I believe is there. Uh, and then t- at tight end, you have the, the pass catching main tight end, which you can argue Sam Laporta, Kyle Pitts. And then the secondary tight end who also is very, very valuable. And that is Johnny Smith. Um, you know, and like, and that's the thing, by the way, I, I think they got very unfairly criticized this year for their usage of Jenny Smith because Jenny Smith had a great year just yeah. because like he had a great year. Like, and Kyle Pitts again has basically come out today more or less as like, you don't post that if you were good, all good all year, you know, like, why were you mad that they were using Janu Smith again when it was very clear? And I think I said this on your show in March or whatever that he was going to be maybe that third passing option anyway, or fourth yeah. if they drafted Bijan. But instead of the wide receiver two, Janu had a great year. He did. Um, so like that. So the op- and an offensive line that is built in theory around first round picks because that clearly I would argue that Detroit's offensive line. If you're going apples to apples comparison, I think you can say everything is pretty equal except the offensive line that Detroit. And obviously they have a quarterback in Jared Goff where yes. the Falcons are absolutely going to be in the quarterback market. 100%. Um, this was awesome, Mike. This was, I feel like, a very comprehensive state of the union of just where the Falcons are right now, the decisions they've made, the decisions yet to come. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Please yeah. let everybody know uh, where they can find you and what you got going on. I mean, as always, you can find me on all of your social medias at Mike Rothstein because that is uh, where I live and I will be on them a lot because, you know, uh, we do hurry up and wait here uh, a lot when it comes to coaching searches. Uh, as as I get information that I feel is reliable, I will pass that on, obviously. Uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of how I operate in coaches in, in this stuff because there's so much yeah. smoke and so many things change so quickly. They're going to be attached to like literally everybody that becomes available at yeah. one point or the other. So, yeah. And things can change too based off of openings because right now, a guy, like one of the guys we talked about sort of in this in this is technically not available at the moment. Right. Yeah. Like, so there, there are going to be so many things. And what, and also once like first, unless they're the first one to fall, once the first one falls, then everything else kind of shakes out from there. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm very curious to see what this all looks like, but well, we will, I'm sure we'll do this again. Uh, <laughs> at some <laughs> many, point many times. Yeah. Yeah. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. A big thank you again to Mike Rothstein for taking the time to join me. Uh, really, really appreciated all the information and insight that he was able to provide. And you know, I wish I had more information, and I'm sure he does too about the coming weeks, months, things like that. But it's really open season for what the Falcons are going to do moving forward. But one thing is clear that the expectations for whoever accepts this new head coaching role and whoever the new quarterback is they're going to be higher in 2024 than they have been recently. I know that we came into 2023 expecting 10 wins, 11 wins, a playoff berth, all of that stuff. I don't think that's going to die down anytime soon because I do think that Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith did a better job building up this roster um, than maybe they are getting credit for. So that will do it for me on today's show. Please check out our YouTube channel where you can find all of our podcasts, uh, the video version. Please share, spread the word. Um, If you like our show, again, coaching search happening, quarterback uh, search 
happening. Draft season right around the corner, free agency. There's a lot of stuff coming up in the NFL calendar, and we're going to be here for all of it. So that will do it for me today. Be on the lookout for potentially a surprise episode early in the week. But if that does not come to fruition, we will see you guys again next Thursday. So until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.